Hello guys, my name is Chigundu Rodney. Uh, welcome back to yet another episode of the Fireside Chats podcast. Uh, today, I have Pal and Melissa, who modeled in our collaborative project, and are here to give you an outsider's view of how they perceive Karamoja. For those of you who haven't listened in on our conversation with Evans in the last episode, you can go ahead and listen to it and get an in-depth analysis of the project. But as we go forward, let's listen in from Pal and Melissa. Special thanks to Braid Fund, Tika, and British Council for this special episode. And uh, over to you, Pal and Melissa. Um, my name is Zabira Kutamba Melissa, and I'm a third year student at Makere doing a Bachelor of Arts in Drama and Film. And I'm glad to be part of this project because, just be told, this is my first modeling project. People always look at me and they be like, with your size, you're supposed to be a model. And I don't take it serious, but I was actually glad and humbled to be part of this project. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Um, I am a very Palterian, a third year student at Chambogo University. Uh, I found this project really um, interesting, entertaining, different. Um, from you know like usual stuff that people consider modeling and stuff yes yeah that's amazing uh, maybe to ask melissa you said you do drama and film uh as a drama and film student how would you see uh in terms of the project because one of the things that we're looking at the project uh, is a case study of karamoja and for those who don't know where karamoja is it's uh, one of the biggest regions in Uganda, in the northeast of Uganda, with over nine districts and a number of tribes. And it's predominantly known for nomadic pastoralism. And I think the clothes you've worn today are made by Murunji Kevin. And one of the things he tries to do is to speak through uh, fabric, uh, using fabric as a medium of storytelling. So as a drama student, how have you uh, used your drama expertise? So far you've gotten from your university to talk about uh, culture and heritage and probably modernity, maybe to give us a, a, a glimpse into your practice. Um, according to my course, I would give an example of yesterday I was at the theater. I entered when a play had already started, but as it is said in drama that a costume tells a like a very big part of the story. I could easily tell that these guys are in a mid kind of company with the costume they had. So if someone looks at the project we are doing and they just see the costume and they be like, now this is taking us back, way back to the, I can call it the traditional times. So a costume tells a lot about someone and what they are doing. You might not have time to explain that. Let's say you're going to explain to someone if you want to sell your project, and then you'd be like, this is about this, this, this. A costume tells more than what a person has to say. Hmm, that's it's interesting. It's like dialogue and costume. A costume can beat dialogue way far. That's that interesting. That is me according to a drama student. That's interesting. Yeah, and uh, over to you, Paul. In your line of work, uh, how have you... Uh, you said you are a drama student as well? Yeah, I do administrative science. Wow. Office of language. Ah, 
Okay. French, yeah. to be specific. Okay, uh, as a French student, probably. <laughs> how do you think language is a tool to speak about? The inf uh, how do you think language can be used as a tool to speak about heritage? But also, how do you think the influence of different languages can uh, kind of is is a danger to the traditional or indigenous languages that we speak. For example, uh, uh, we've in our past, I think, in, in different schools, we were beaten to uh, for speaking vernacular. Mm -hmm. So, how do you think speaking uh, different languages kind of hinders or prohibits us from? Kind of revisiting some of the important things that we have to talk about in a different language. All right, so um, definitely for different languages, it's going to be yeah, it's a problem basically because of um, the inability. Is it inability yeah, to inability. understand each other? Right. So I um, there's no specific way that I'll come to you explain something about my culture something important if you will not understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. so it's obviously definitely a hindrance right so um then i feel personally i'm doing french basically to understand you know more about like other different areas cultures yeah, um, yeah. diversity yeah for diversity so i think it's also kind of nice if almost everyone right would pick up something some other language some other something to and um to learn to understand yeah yeah because eventually in the long run it's helpful it helps you as a person right mm. there could be very different several opportunities that you will need mm. that you will need yeah. it for knowing some other language yeah right yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe to zero down to the case study we are trying to address in this in this in this uh, project. Uh, do you wish to learn Karamujong uh, language? Yes, yes and... I would. I would, I would, I would, I would I would, okay, I know to some really big extent, their language. I find their language a bit like really intriguing. It's really intriguing. I always want to know what they're saying. Um, there's, there's a way it sounds fun, interesting, for real. Mm. Yeah, and so honestly, I would really want to learn the language. I feel like the Karamoja culture is endearing. It's rich. To, to yeah, it's, it's rich. Large extent, so yeah. I would love if I had the chance. And I don't yeah. And yeah, maybe over to you. Uh, uh, my question would be, my next question would be, and I think this goes to both of you, uh, Based on the fact that we live in, in the city center or we live in the urban center where many people perceive Karamoja to be that backward uh, uh, place, uh, whereby even the former president of Uganda, I think that statement he made, we can't wait for Karamoja to develop, has stood the test of time even way after he had passed. Uh, what perception do you have of Karamoja as people living in the city uh, because one of the things we're trying to question but also address is how people perceive uh, in the city center how people perceive Karamoja 
and how we can actually uh, depict Karamoja in a better way because of some of the things that we know as creatives, as people who are uh, uh, in the creative space. So what perceptions, according to you, uh, do you have of Karamoja? Have you even been there before? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But according to me, where Karamoja is, it is fine. It's because they are trying to maintain their culture. And them trying to maintain their culture, they're abandoned by the people that are kind of saying we can't wait for Karamoja to devolve. There's the people to devolve it, but obviously abandoning the way they want to maintain their culture and they don't want to be like Kampala with the roads, with the buildings. They want to keep it at where it is. They don't want to develop in the way that the ministers want them to develop. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my opinion. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, personally, honestly, and to some extent, to a large extent, initially, I also felt like Karamoja was a place I would never want to be, <laughs> like virtually. But then um, I feel like it's kind of like the way people um, if you have noticed, there's a way whites perceive Africa in general. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's how we were made to believe Karamoja is like in general, Karamoja is dry. People are just moving with cows and everything. And naked. <laughs> and naked. But um, I think Karamoja is like a diverse place, right? Mm. I feel like it's a diverse place in its own. It has the urban area of its own and it has the village area which is which is practically like every part of Uganda. Yeah. The urban is the Karamoja actually Karamoja actually has the biggest village in East Africa. In yeah, in East Africa, the biggest village. Uh, but a lot of people don't know. That is what people yeah. are yeah. really feel like Africa is. Exactly. So, so. Like that's how we have gotten to feel like Karamoja is Karamoja dry. Dry yeah. lips, dry ground. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that's not how it is. And yeah. I've personally been to Karamoja, uh, specifically in Akapiripirit. And trust me, the roads there are even better than the yeah. ones in Kampala. Uh, you'll be surprised that the milk they drink there is richer yeah. in terms of nutrients yeah. than the milk we drink here. So uh, I think, uh, like I was telling my colleagues earlier, modernity is everywhere. The challenge is the way we perceive modernity in the urban centers is the social media, fancy kind of lifestyle uh, that people live. Uh, and, and not knowing that there are people actually there who live better than us in terms of the food they eat, in terms of the lifestyle they live. I found people who are not even interested in... Yeah, they say people don't like clothes in Karamoja. It's actually true, but... To some extent, the reason is their weather is not conducive for heavy clothes, so it's understandable for them. But then some people see it in a different realm. So sometimes I think it's the misconceptions that people put out there, but also the way the the mainstream media kind of portrays what Karamoja is. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you very much for your submissions and um, maybe your last text and uh, probably anything you would like to say about the project and as it advances. Because one of the things that uh, I think in the next stage you're going to do is to create some of the 
concepts that we've developed out of the photo uh, photo shoots that we've had to see how we can develop them into artwork that kind of speaks rich about Karamoja, but also kind of poses some questions out there. Yeah. Any last takes? Culture stays culture. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh -huh. uh, so yeah, um, I think together as a whole, everyone, each person, um, first of all, I think we should stop the, what is it called? Um, gathering mentality from, you know, different, get, get a point and think for yourself, figure out things on your own, try to be inquisitive about specific things. But also and visit, I visit the places. Can. Yeah, if you can. Yes, there's, if you can. Yes. moments where maybe you just can't afford it or something. So yeah, be inquisitive about a situation. Don't just follow the mainstream. Mm. Yeah, and I think everyone can do it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, so thank you very much uh, for, uh, for being part of this. Uh, we're really excited and... And I'm excited uh, about the project. It's yeah, really so... Really a nice one. Yeah, we hope to see you at the pop-up exhibition we will do of the artworks. Shall be there. Yeah, and uh, so of course... Everyone. Yeah. Invite your friends, uh, invite your family, your boyfriends, your girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. Let's have fun. Come, let's have fun. Let's see how we can make. Uh, I think the next part of the project, maybe that we haven't talked about, which will happen probably next year, uh, will be uh, some, some taking this to Karamoja, somehow finding out some of the things they actually yeah. find very interesting. Uh, thanks to Braid Fund and Tika uh, for uh, helping with the funding of this project. And uh, also uh, Kevin and uh, Evans and, and of course the different partners and colleagues that we've worked with to see this project come to life. Yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, you can go and check out Fireside Chats Africa on Instagram. But also follow the podcast or join the community on AfriPods. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome.